Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. This weekly podcast is led by me, Ann Hambly, and we cover information that is not typically disclosed openly in commercial real estate. Um, I have with me, I'm very, very pleased to have uh, with me Ryan Berkshire, who has been with First Service Solutions since 2019. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> now, I noticed that you have a badge on and uh, I, I think I wish this were a video conference so people could <laughs> see the badge, but uh, that's kind of different here, right? So explain your role in our firm to people that are only hearing this through audio. <laughs> I am the director of surveillance at First Service Solutions. Uh, it sounds like a, a pretty uh, pretty cool gig, and it is. Uh, Anne got me a very cool badge that says director of surveillance on it. It's a real badge, and it is very legit and very heavy. And I wear it on a chain sometimes. <laughs> and it does awesome. look very legit, and it yeah. gets people's attention. And so the word director of surveillance, first of all, surveillance. Surveillance is, um, in commercial real estate, is the way we describe it and what we're referring to here is the, the all of the servicers have a team of people that do surveillance on loan documents for the lender side. So they're, they're checking, that's why they get quarterly operating statements from borrowers, they're analyzing them, and they're looking to see if certain triggers have been triggered in loan documents. So we at First Service Solutions decided it would be helpful to do this for owners and borrowers to kind of do it preventatively, and that's what that's what you spend your time doing. At least that's what you tell me. You do, right? <laughs> some, of the, some of the time I do that. Uh, yeah, the idea is just we kind of mimic what the servicers do, but on the borrower side. So we're looking at the same calculations. We review all the loan documents and everything. Um, so the idea being that we can see trends um, and, and hopefully get the borrower out of trouble before they get into trouble. And you, before you joined First Service Solutions, you were doing underwriting for servicers. I forgot how long you did that. Uh, yeah, I was underwriting probably about 10 years, and then okay. before that a little bit too, kind of off and on. So, so solidly you, about 10 years uh, for, yeah. For, so you got very good insight into what the servicers do and think, and that makes all the difference here. So what are some of the most common, when we say triggers and surveillance, it's kind of foreign language, I think, for some owners, but... What are some of the common triggers in the loan documents? And I, and I assume it's just like if I'm, the other day we were having a conference a meeting out there in our uh, main lobby area and somebody pulled the phone cord while somebody was walking and we actually almost <laughs> tripped on it. And I think that's kind of what we're referring to a little bit, right? But what are the common yeah, triggers? Or exactly. Triggers? I think mostly we're talking about uh, cash management and cash sweep and, and the most common triggers... Um, our DSCR triggers, which is debt service coverage ratio, you fall below a certain threshold. There's also debt yield trigger, triggers to a lesser extent. It's pretty much the same calculation, same idea, um, performance, property performance-wise. Um, there's also major tenant expiration triggers, which is kind of a big one. The, the issue on that, I think, is a lot of the periods don't match up. So the, the actual trigger period will require notification within a certain period of time. And then the lease itself will require the tenant to notify of renewal in a certain time. And they often are, are pretty far apart. So then obviously you'll be in cash management for a certain period of time, almost no matter what. It's almost baked into the documents that way. So. 
and it's and and these triggers. What are so? Let's talk about so the triggers are debt service. So and and I guess maybe to give a higher level overview, if I, if I as an owner got a loan, and my property's performing obviously at that point, the triggers are meant to sort of protect the servicer and bondholders if the property starts not performing. If a big tenant moves out, yeah. if my cash flow doesn't doesn't cover debt service and so on or falls lower. So the triggers are meant to be a heads up that this thing is having troubles, right? This property, I mean, that's the yeah, yeah, intent. It's, the intent is so that the, the lender can hold a little extra cash and as collateral if, if it's going really south. So if, if it just, if it doesn't meet the DSER threshold by a little bit, then they'll be collecting a lot of cash for a while. Um, and hope, hoping that it doesn't get any worse. And then if it if it gets out and it passes the threshold, then, then the borrower gets all the cash back. So it's operating as it should be again. Okay, so let's talk about, let's break it down a little bit. So the tr- let's say it's the debt service coverage trigger. And in, in the documents, it says if you fall below, I don't know, 1.15, I get, I sur- you triggered yeah. the debt service trigger. What is the penalty or what is the, what happens then just on that one? Um, it, it typically goes into cash management and cash sweep. That's that's the big one. So basically, they'll be collecting your cash for a while. If you have excess cash after you pay all your operating expenses and everything, lender will keep it. The servicer just holds it? Yeah. yeah. And then there's a cure provision for all of these, right? So I get to get out of, I get my money back and get out of this when... Yeah. What's the most common debt service uh, cure? Yeah, the most common, like in this scenario, if, if the trigger was a 115, there'd be either getting out, would the, the get out threshold would be either a 115 or probably a 12. And it's usually for two consecutive quarters. That's so for the two most, quarters. That's the most common, two consecutive quarters on a trailing okay. 12 basis. Yeah. So let's talk about the tenant, the lease one again, because that one I know we've had some, we've worked on quite a bit. So. You're saying in the loan documents, and I've seen some of these, but you see a million more than I do. In the loan documents, it might require, what's the longest you've seen? You, you as an owner have to notify the servicer within X months of expiration of this big tenant. Uh, yeah, the, the longest one I've seen is 24 months. 24 I, was, I months. saw that one pretty recently, actually, and the, the disparity was pretty big. The The notification was 24 months, and in the lease, it was only six months. So, so the tenant only had to give the borrower six yes. months notice that they were going to leave or, or renew, but the borrower had to give the lender uh, two years' notice. Yeah. And so if they didn't, just to make sure this is clear to everyone, if they didn't tell if the borrower didn't tell the lender or servicer by two years before this expiration, they lose control of all their cash Yeah. until, boy, what's the cure until here? Until renewal. <laughs> so renewal. Six months, probably. So you're probably going to be in cash management for 18 months in that scenario unless you can talk your borrower into, I mean, I'm sorry, unless you could talk your tenant into renewing early, which which happened. We, we had a deal. Uh, we have a portfolio, actually, and they had two or three that were like this. One of them had to be, had to be in cash management for a while because they couldn't, they couldn't negotiate with the tenant, but the other one they actually negotiated, so they got out. So, so you, what you would do here then in your role with your badge on is you would be <laughs> watching, you'd be tracking the 24 month, the loan document requirement, yeah. and, and probably the borrower's tracking their own lease, their tenant renewal, they're tracking the six month. Uh, yeah, we could track, we track both technically. Okay. But yeah, we, the, we, we focus on the loan doc though, so theoretically the borrower would, would definitely Definitely be focusing on their actual lease, and then we, we can tell them the difference. And yeah, we, so we by having that. you with your badge on do your job <laughs> here, you would be notifying the borrower who had engaged you that hey, you got to give a two year notice here, and we're coming up on that two years. And yeah. then what the borrower, I guess, could do 
is go contact the tenant and yep. just see if he couldn't work something out or get him to agree he's going to renew or whatever, right? Exactly. So that, okay, so that avoids them. Then we can try, I mean, you can try to get some sort of waiver in that scenario and it, it'll work every now and then, but it's a long process and the easiest would just be to try to get, try yeah. to get your tenant to, to work with you because they're more likely to work with you than the lender is. Yeah, because even, I mean, you could take a property. So like I said in the beginning, the whole purpose of these triggers is in case you have a problem a property that's going through problems, right? You yeah. get to, but let's say this property's performing perfectly fine. Uh, the major one of the major tenants has that two-year notification of lease renewal. Well, the tenant could be Amazon for all we know, right? And six months, and, and yet the tenant only has to give the borrower six-month notice. So the borrower, even though it's a fully performing property, could lose control of all their cash at year two, two years before that expiration. Exactly. And they'd have to wait another year and a half to get back out and make any distributions or get access to any cash. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's that's that I think uh, people come flocking to you to, for help when that happens the first time generally. And they're like, whoa, I didn't realize. And now I got this problem. So um, what are some of the most common things you see daily that give you the biggest uh, eye opener, like that two year notice when the, t the lease only had six months? What are some of the common things you're seeing? Um, I think it's a lot of just things like that. I mean, the, there's almost always a disparity between the, the notice periods um, in there. It's usually not 24 versus six, but sometimes it's you know 12 versus six or nine versus six, something. So there's almost always a disparity. Um, just knowing that stuff is, is always helpful. Um, yeah. So you review, so when you get and you people engage you, you review all their documents, track all this, you have a, you have a system where you track all this and then you, you have a, what, monthly calls with the client and yes. your owner and you go through all the things they need to be aware of, right? Um, exactly. To avoid having them uh, trigger one of these things and lose control of their cash. Yeah, we, we identify all the different triggers, whether it be DSCR, tenant, um, things like that. We, we actually monitor monthly DSCR as long as we have financial information so we could follow those trends. We, have, we, we follow the rent rolls every month, updating those so we can see you know, how many days until lease renewal, how many days until trigger renewal, things like that. We notify as far in advance as we can just so we could start working on it with the borrower hopefully immediately once we once we get the docs. And for people that don't know you, um, I can tell everybody that um, Ryan is very, very, very detailed, very into the documents, that knows this stuff cold, and, and, uh, and that's why we gave you the badge, so. <laughs> <laughs> you um, just get a badge for nothing, guys. No, you do not. Uh, actually, the only one around here that has <laughs> one, so. Um, any other helpful hints to an owner that is listening that says, you know, I wonder if I should have him? Any, any other helpful hints? You know, I think it's always a help. Um, even if you even if you have a good idea of what you're doing and you're an experienced owner, maybe you just don't want to do it. Also, there's just a lot of people don't fully understand the different calculations and things. DSCR isn't necessarily just what you think DSCR is based on operations. A lot of times there's a lot of different calculations that go into it based on the loan docs. Um, also, you know, we, we see a lot of, uh, one. I think one benefit that's been making itself more apparent is we see a lot of loan documents. So going forward as well, if you have um, CMBS loans, 
we see all the language, we see all the borrower friendly language that we might be able to get in there. So I think that's been a help as well. I've seen a lot of uh, different language out there. You brought up a really, really good point that I don't think we emphasized earlier and we probably should do that is your debt service coverage calculations that you're doing, as we did say briefly, but mimic the servicers. Um, what are some of the examples, give a couple examples of things you, for instance, if I'm an owner and I calculate my debt service coverage, I'm taking all my income, all my expenses as they are, and I'm coming up with a number. Now, you do it based on the loan docs, and often yours comes out very different. What kind of things do you adjust for? Um, yeah, there could be things like market vacancy baked into the, to the Me, lender. Let's, let's elaborate on that for a minute. So meaning if I don't have, let's say I ha I'm fully occupied as, a, as an owner, um, you're saying the loan documents sometimes on your calculation for the owner you yeah. or borrower? Excuse me, servicer? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes uh, sometimes there's market vacancy. And a lot of times it's vague, so there's no real... It's basically just at lender's discretion what the market vacancy is, so it's kind of whatever they're using. It's like a lowercase market vacancy. Um, but even if it were an uppercase, I mean, you're at 100% occupancy, and now all of a sudden you're forced to use 10 or 15% vacancy. That doesn't seem right, but... Uh, well, but I guess in the documents in the beginning, you have to look for those things, right? Yeah, exactly. But so, okay, so you, you can take away part of my income. I think some of them I've seen too, they don't count like a tenant that's six months or a year before renewal, right? If, uh, yeah, they, they do that pretty regularly. Tenants that are either month to month or um, lease expiration within usually six to nine months, uh, they don't count that income until it comes back. So... Uh, that's obviously a huge hit in a lot okay. of cases. We had a we we recently had one that we've been well not recently we've been working on it for probably a year, but they kept having that issue. So we eventually they had to go to their tenants and just kind of negotiate no more month to months just yeah. to kind of avoid that that cyclical cash management that they kept kind of getting into every few months. So see, that's a really we, big point that. because you can give the owner guidance on what to do different sometimes to avoid these things, and that's really the benefit. Um, and then, um, okay, so what are some of the expense adjustments that are made that, that are big ones? Property management? Uh, one of the big yeah, ones? property management is, is a big one. Um, a lot of times they'll kind of normalize things as well, so if you get a, if you get maybe a real estate tax reduction, uh, they'll still use a higher number kind of based on what they underwrote or based on a two or three year old number. That's just kind of how they standardize it. Um, also, of course, uh, it's usually on an amortizing basis. So if you have an IO loan or a partial IO converting later, it, it uh, won't fully reflect that. Yeah, that's right. It's almost right. always amortizing. Every once in a while you'll get one, you'll get an IO that's based on an IO DSCR as well, but not often. So in other words, a borrower has what they, when they do their calculations, they do it based on reality and their property at that point. Yeah. You're doing it based on the loan documents and how are there almost always, are almost always a difference? Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, at least 85. Well, there's almost always at least a little difference, but um, yeah. there's usually okay. quite a big difference. And of course, there. when you call the servicer and say, wait a minute, you, you don't understand. They really aren't 15% uh, vacant. They really <laughs> are 100%. They say, well, the loan documents require this calculation. Yeah. So the key is you give the insight as to what the servicer and lender is going to be doing and how they're looking at it, which is what matters, right? Exactly. We just show them how the other guys are looking at it and try to give them as much yeah, time good. as possible to deal with things that are Great. trending not in their direction. 
Wonderful. Well, this has been really, really helpful, Ryan. I mean, it's hard to cover the detail and the the work that you do in a 20-minute, you know, 15-minute podcast. But this has been very, very helpful. And, of course, if anybody wants to get information on uh, having Ryan and his team do this kind of stuff for you, um, you would just go to our website or call our main line, 817-756-7227. And I know he's got lots of capacity and would love to take on more deals. <laughs> I'm getting a glare. <laughs> no, but we certainly, uh, this is what we do. So, so we'd, you know, certainly be interested in talking to you, but thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Um, your, uh, insight was very helpful today and, and, uh, now you can take that badge off. It's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you.